hard to find love. Um, and especially in a city such as Toronto, where there's so many people and there's this, what I call the, the unicorn effect, right? People are like, oh, well, this person's great, but if I keep swiping, I can find something better. And so nobody, everybody feels like they're quote unquote settling when that's not really the case. Welcome to Lessons in Love, where you'll hear stories from the heart. I'm Sarah Moncrief. This week's guest is Marcus Van Herk. He is the producer of this podcast, so it literally wouldn't exist without him. He's a brave soul, hopeless romantic, and definitely a man to watch on the rise. Who are you? My name is Marcus Van Herk. Some people know me by Mark. Other people know me by my last name. Okay, can I ask you a question yeah. about this? Yeah, let's talk about it. Because I call you Mark, mm-hmm. but so many other people call you Marcus. And I don't know why, like, cause normally if, if I hear enough times that someone's called something specific, I'll just like shift what mm-hmm. I call them just cause I'm like, oh, obviously he would prefer Marcus to Mark, but do you have a preference? Uh, I recently started going by Marcus. Now this is, a, it's a very confusing, um, rebrand for everybody. I think, no, <laughs> uh, cause I've always gone by something different depending on where I am. Like in Nova Scotia, people didn't even call me my first name. Like I was, and I think that was more of a hockey thing. I would uh-huh. go by Van Herc or like Hercules. Um, and then, um, I used to, for some reason I used to not like the name Marcus. I didn't realize how awesome and badass it is. And there's all these Roman emperors named after it and like, you know, things yeah, like that. No, I was that's like, true. Before I knew about Marcus Aurelius and all those cool people with the name Marcus, I used to think it was kind of lame. And I remember I had a friend, Mark, and it was Mark with a K and everybody thought he was cool. So I was like, maybe I should go by Mark too. And that was kind of how it started out. And then I just always went by Mark. Um, and then eventually while becoming an adult, I realized, okay, wow, no, Marcus is way more unique. And so I think it was when I transitioned from uh, my most recent job to start to work at Earl's that I started going by Marcus. And so now there's just like this mass confusion. Honestly, I don't have a preference. This is a really long winded tangent, but like Mark or Marcus is fine. But basically Marcus was you reestablishing your own connection to Mark. Totally. Kiss. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Great. Okay. I just wanted to check. Um, so that's my name. Uh, as far as who I am, um, I'm a storyteller, entertainer, uh, producer of this wonderful podcast, um, a leader, uh, just a, a glue guy, I would call myself. Wherever I go, I just make everybody around me have fun. That's what I try. That's what I strive for. That's what a glue guy is? Well, it's like a in, in sports, it's like a glue guy in the locker room that keeps the team together. And oh, like, yeah. He's always being like kind of goofy and just keeping things light. I think that's how I would describe myself. How did you get like that? Um, I don't know. I think I was always the immature kind of goofy one growing up. Um, and then I've always taken on leadership roles. I've always just kind of gravitated towards it. I'm sure there's something to do with me being uh, the son of a military officer or a military kid. There's probably something to do that. But I remember, I think the first... Now I totally understand your haircut. (laughs) (laughs) I think the first instance of it that I can think of was um, when I would have been, I guess, 10 years old and my hockey team, we were playing in this tournament and we were like a house 
league team, so we weren't good. We were just kids playing for fun, and we played in a rep tournament in this place in Nova Scotia called Tatamagoosh. Try saying that fast. Um, and we were getting crushed, and we were losing every game by, like, 10 goals. And I remember there was uh, – it was either in between games or in between periods. Um, we were in the room, and everybody was, like, upset. Like, kids were crying, and I remember I just – for some reason decided I was going to speak and uh, yeah, I was basically just like, guys, we're here for fun, et cetera, et cetera. I made some elaborate speech. I can't tell you this is a very long time ago now, <laughs> but um, and my, my coach was kind of floored and he's like, Oh, like I remember he made some, comment some my parents. Skills. Yeah. Like you're a leader and stuff. And so since then I just kind of, I've always been like in captaincy roles and whether it been the workplace, I've always ended up in supervisor management kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. So to you, what is love? Okay, we got small scale and big scale. Um, small scale is like when I see my family dog and I get really happy. I said I was going to talk about puppies a lot. Um, <laughs> and or like just that that enacted emotion of this like butterflies and like when you see your crush and you like can't speak and you're just like at a loss for words. And like large scale is I think love is um, what drives the universe it's everything is done out of love for somebody or something mm -hmm. when you really think about it it's also what 95 percent of music is about is love so i think it's just it's what makes the world go round um so what do you think it means to be a hopeless romantic <laughs> Oh, that's a great question. And I, I had a feeling you were going to ask <laughs> about this. I wonder why. Uh, what do I think it means to be? I, and I, I don't know if it's necessarily the belief that there is one person out there for you. Because I wouldn't necessarily say that I'm in that, that boat. Mm -hmm. But um, I think it's just like an everlasting faith that love exists and... Um, yeah. just believing in like the most traditional, I don't know. I just, I, I really don't have a great answer for that. And I've thought about this before. Um, but yeah, I think it's just like having faith that like that rom-com silly, stupid, ridiculous. And for some reason, and I remember I talked about this with my therapist. She asked me why I was a hopeless romantic because it wasn't necessarily, um, uh, a blatant example of that in my life growing up that I, I clearly drew from. And I was like, honestly, it's probably from watching like romantic comedies because for some reason I took on this role of like, I'm going to buy flowers on random occasions <laughs> and I'm going to like serenade you with a Taylor Swift song. All you like fall, like silly things like that. So I don't know where it came from. All I know is it's just like, it's you, it's me. <laughs> yeah. That's so awesome. Um, how because like I know that on the sidelines we've kind of talked about how like there was a period of time in your life where you kind of rejected that notion and gave up on those practices like why do you think that happened and then how did you rekindle it for yourself it was right when all those like the hookup culture started to become a thing and all those dating apps tinder bumble etc started to pop up on the map and it was like it's cool to just hook up with people and like it became less about like pursuing romantic relationships and just like air quotes, having fun and doing. <laughs> and, and so I think I felt, and that, um, same thing. 
I think there's a lot of sports mentality around it. Like that's thing, locker room talk, like, Oh, like hooking up with as many girls as possible or things like that. And for me, I, I, I always knew I was a hopeless romantic and I strayed away from it. And I think the reason I strayed away from it is, uh, and, and long story short is, um, I started looking for answers in other people that I was only going to be able to find within myself. Oh, mm-hmm. that is profound. What, like, can you give me an example? Like I was looking for people to fill a void rather than addressing an issue. Um, and, and, and I, I learned a lot about side note. This is a full endorsement for going to talk therapy. Honestly, <laughs> everybody should go to therapy. Like even if you don't need it, um, especially I, intuitive healing therapy, that's it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I learned, I learned through therapy that, um, basically a lot of my previous relationships, um, I was looking to fill a void that was something that I was dealing with. Like they would not have been able to fill. Like I'm chasing after people because I have abandonment issues and like chasing after somebody is not going to solve it. Um, and, and things like that. It was basically just like, I wasn't looking internally. I was looking externally and trying to fill holes with people that were not going to be able to fill them. Um, and setting myself up for failure essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, so as you've been able to heal yourself, mm-hmm. you basically brought yourself back into a place of connected to this part of you that is so integral to who you are, but isn't necessarily something that got developed. So you could say it's like a function of your soul because mm. it's like just you. Mm-hmm. And um, how do you kind of continue to maintain that when like I think that the dating hookup culture is just getting more intense Mm -hmm. like there's all these different apps with all these different ways to connect so I think the one thing that it allowed me to realize is it's allowed me to contrast against what I really want um and I think that's a really, there's actually a benefit to dating and going on all these dates because it's really going to allow you to flush out what you don't want. Right. Um, and so it'll help you come to that realization very quickly. Um, now I think some people would probably describe me as picky, but I, I just have a very, I, I haven't been on a date in months, um, because I'm very much like, this is what I want and I'm not going to accept anything. I'm not going to compromise. Um, and to be fair, like, I think it, everybody will arrive at that point at one point or another where they're just kind of like, okay, I'm ready to, and most people would think, okay, Marcus, you're pretty young, buddy. You're 25, but, um, you're 25. Yeah, I know. Just a wise 25 year old. That's it. <laughs> no. Yeah. I totally thought you were older than that. Uh, I'm going to show Sarah, Sarah, my, uh, driver's license afterwards. She <laughs> believes, but I'm 25. Um, yeah, I think I think that it's just allowing you to figure out what you want. And once you know, you shouldn't compromise. A lot of people, I think, I, I see it all the time. People just get bored. And they're like, oh, I'm just going to re-download Bumble and just swipe. I'm like, why? They're like, oh, I'm bored. And I'm like, you know, it's. I, I think it's a, it's part of laziness um, because it's hard. It's hard to find love. Um, and especially in a city such as Toronto, where there's so many people and there's this, what I call the, the unicorn effect, right? People are like, oh, well, this person's great, but if I keep swiping, I can find something better. And so nobody, everybody feels like there's quote unquote settling when that's not really the case. Mm-hmm. 
but can we kind of try to dig into like what Mm. is actually hard about finding love because listen like with all of the podcasts like episodes that we've now done there's and obviously we're speaking to specific people but there's been a resounding belief in love and Mm -hmm. And in many different forms, self-love, friend love, family love, like like love the infiniteness of love. But there also is something about it when it does come to the romantic aspect of it that people believe in. So I don't really understand what it is that's so hard for people to find when it's in us. I mean, I agree. I'm, I'm with you. I, I think there's a layer of vulnerability there. And I think that's probably a big thing is it, it's hard to keep putting yourself out there again and again and again. And I think that's probably the biggest challenge facing people. And, um, and I think that there's a lot of surface conversation that goes on along with dating. And then that's one thing that I find really exhausting. And that's something that is definitely um, discouraging at times for me is, and, and this is kind of how I weed people out quickly is I want to have real conversation. I want to talk about real shit. I don't want to talk about, so like, what's your favorite band? Like, what do you like to do? Like, you know, like let's talk about real life shit. Let's get it an argument. Cause that's the only way I'm going to know if I click with you. Not if we sit here and talk about, the weather and like who won the blue Jays game, like things like that are so mundane. Right. Like, so I, I think that's, that's part of it is people, um, can get exhausted about keep putting themselves out there again and again. You just keep getting these like really lame results and you're like, Oh, like when is it going to happen? Like how many times I have to do this? And I think with that, people just start to draw inwards and inwards. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, you brought up the argument (laughs) Mm, mm. and, um, I mean, I, in my upbringing, my parents did not argue in front of me. It's not that there weren't disagreements in terms of like, like, uh, like not that they weren't threatening that like maybe the relationship wasn't working or anything like that, but there was no like fiery arguments happening so like I don't really know how to argue with people like I'm not I like when people start arguing with me I'm like um yeah no like I don't I don't really understand the functionality of it so the way that you just described like that's how I'm gonna know is interesting to me I think it's and maybe it's just like that's a way for me to to draw out the passion in somebody and see the passionate side of them and like I think if you can I mean it's like a constructive argument like you can't just be yelling at each other and there's nothing (laughs) coming out of it right um but to be able to kind of uh respectfully disagree and 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 come to like a mutual uh, you know peace treaty or I don't know I don't know what the proper words I'm looking for there but I think that that's you're gonna be if you're gonna be with somebody for a long time you're gonna get into disagreements and so gauging how somebody handles that situation um, and is able to work through it with you instead of just being like this is my opinion that's it 
like, like that's not gonna work, right? Yeah. Okay. My way or the highway. So it's like in an attempt to find how you your two personalities synthesize. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I'm like putting way too much weight behind this. That's just like one example of something. I feel <laughs> like I'm not. Uh, now people are going to be like, like next time I go on a date, somebody's going to like just try and start an argument like five <laughs> minutes in. Like what is going on? <laughs> no, I realized that it was just an, <laughs> one example, but like an interesting one to me. Because like when people argue with me, that's when I'm like, why am I in this? You mm-hmm. want to argue? Like, I don't want to argue. And I will like back away from the argument. So I was just personally curious mm-hmm. about that specific example and how anyone would want to do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Playful debate. Yes. Um, tell me about your podcast. Um, my podcast is called, Am I Doing This Right? Uh, so it's a show about young people and the major events and experiences that shape who they are today, which stemmed from my own major event and shift. Basically, I, long story short, I went to broadcasting school. I moved to Toronto from Nova Scotia and was like, I'm gonna work for TSN, I'm gonna be on TV. That's what I wanna do. And sure enough, I got an internship at TSN. I got hired at TSN. I had my own TV show on Rogers TV in Toronto with my best friend, Peter, Um, and everything was like, coming up Millhouse, everything was going great. And, um, and I remember I took uh, a promotion that I didn't necessarily want at TSN and then I ended up getting laid off. And, um, and then I thought that I was gonna get this on air job because I um, was really good and then that didn't happen. I ended up going back to TSN and when I got there for the second time around, I was like, wow, I really don't wanna do this. Um, and I kind of fell out of love with what was been my passion for the last uh, you know, five years at the time. And, um, yeah, that was, that was, uh, really jarring for me. And so I decided to quit. I ended up working for Lululemon and, um, now I work at a restaurant and I do podcasts, but it was, I'm really glad because from all of those experiences, I've been able to draw something, same thing, talking about contrast that's allowed me to kind of get clear on what I want and what I don't want. Mm-hmm. Um, when you like gave up on the passion mm-hmm. of what would you say like broadcasting? I think it was more so um sports broadcasting, <laughs> yeah, because it was just it was more of a case of I, I obviously still like broadcasting because I wouldn't be sitting in front of this mic yeah. with you, we wouldn't <laughs> yeah. be doing this, but it, I would say sports broadcasting. And like almost in a way wanted some deeper conversations. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was the thing. And I mean, I, I didn't go into news originally because that's sometimes that can be really heavy and wear, yeah. wearing on you. Some of the stuff you got to cover and sports is just fun and it's what I grew up playing. So it just was easy. It came naturally, but um, yeah, when you're just telling these really mundane stories, recapping a, a game that really ultimately meant nothing. I mean, sports, just games like at the end of the day it's just to distract people from the real life shit that they're dealing the news. with right that's exactly <laughs> distracting from the news that's exactly it um but i i i really love uh digging deep with people and, and the human interest stories like ted radio hour i eat that shit up um so yeah i wanted to do more stuff kind of like that and and the other thing i realized is 
And the reason why I created my podcast is I'm like, everybody goes through that moment. Everybody has a shift and it doesn't necessarily need to be a job change. It could be a breakup. It could be a number of things, but everybody has one moment that they're kind of like, whoa, where they question everything or something that shifts who they become as an adult. It's interesting because in my line of work, you know, like you talk about childhood a lot and specifically like things that have happened to you as a child. And it's, you know, it's not the whole piece of the puzzle, but it, that shift and like, as you were saying that, what it made me think about is like growing up, like where, what is the events in your life that actually um, put you on your path as an adult, like rather than replicating the cycles of what you absorbed, what you saw, what you experienced as a kid, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that like recognizing state changes in people is one of the coolest things because it goes from a limited worldview to an expansive worldview in seconds. I mean, as human beings, we obviously have averse reactions to change, but if, if you were really looking at it from an open standpoint and as you were eventually, I don't know exactly in the moment, but like you got shifted into something that was so much more aligned with who you are. And I know you're still on the journey of the ultimate, wherever you're headed, what your soul's mission is, but like, it's, that's a really cool project. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it's, I, I, I basically took a year away from doing anything broadcasting. And then the moment I kind of got back behind a microphone and, and started doing your podcast, I was like, yeah, this is it. I like this a lot. I need to be doing this. Mm-hmm. I kind of love when things happen that are less regulated. Mm-hmm. Like I, for yoga teaching, for example, like it's highly regulated um, just in like you know, the completeness of a class. Meditation is less regulated. Healing is less regulated. And within that, there's so much more freedom to be talking about and doing the things that you actually believe in and actually think are helping the world. And, you know, with podcasts, like when we connected about this one, what was so important to me was that like we got to say whatever came on to it and like when you're working for a network or working for something that's bigger yeah there's a benefit to like the stability or like all the things that people think about but the downfall is like you don't get to be 100 percent you Mm -hmm. yeah you're adhering to something a little bit bigger and you don't necessarily get the creativity uh creative freedom that you would like Mm -hmm. which is the the biggest thing um and, and that's what makes truly uh you and your show unique you know that's that's what it's all about when you're not able to speak your mind fully and clearly it's kind of what's the point (laughs) Mm -hmm. um what's been your favorite episode so far Mm. on your podcast uh i spoke with alyanka larianov who um some people may know if they know the sports world. So she's been in sports broadcasting for over the last decade, like TSN, CBC, HBO, MSG, Brooklyn Nets, etc. Um, and then she also happens to be, and I, and I hate 
she's I love that she's not defined by this, but most people look at her and they see her last name and her dad happens to be one of the greatest Russian hockey players of all time. Oh. So a lot of people put her in a box because of that. But I, I remember when I introduced her on my show, I didn't even bring that, that up because so well, I knew it, but I didn't even bring it up because I'm like, that's not who she is. But she is um, uh, just a beautiful mind um, and the way she thinks is so um, analytical and um, fascinating. We had a really great conversation and she just questions everything. Um, basically with her, she ha- has been dealing with an eating disorder for the last, uh, pretty much the, the tenure of her broadcasting career and it almost took her life about a year and a half ago. Um, and that's when she experienced her own shift and, um, and has been doing things a little bit differently and has been on this like uh, quest of like human inquisition since. Um, so it's really fascinating just to see, honestly, that episode's worth listening to just because just to listen to her and the way she thinks is just like, I was just like leaning back on my couch, like, whoa. Yeah. 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 So much to say. Mm-hmm. Is she single? Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> you can cut that part out. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, have you, like, do you think that there is a way that people can figure out whether they're doing something right? I think that there's a way they can figure out if they're doing something wrong, if they're not doing the thing that is right for them. Um, I think that. How is that? Well, I, I, you know what? It's funny. I've had a lot of people uh, at, at work that came up to me once they, you know, kind of got to know me and knew my story. And they're like, how did you know when you wanted to quit your job? I'm like, the fact that you're asking me this question is that's it. Like, I think it's the one thing that I've really learned in the last year and a half since I kind of left and have been on this journey is to trust my intuition. Uh, and before I would have been like intuition, what's that? But that's it is trusting your gut. So if you are in a rut or you're doing something and it just doesn't feel right and you're like, I don't know if I really want to be doing this. If you're asking those questions to me, that's like, that's a flag that you got to change something. Um, and you're the only one that can do it. A lot of people look to other people for the answers. Um, and you're not going to find the thing that you want to be doing right away. Like it's not just going to, I mean, if you do great, fucking awesome, but it's probably not going to fall into your lap. Um, so you kind of just like have to make changes and do stuff just to do it. And like, you have to fuck things up and you have to make mistakes in order to, to get clear on what it is that you need in your life. So I think that's the thing is like, you're, you're not gonna be able to necessarily be like, is this right for me? But you can definitely pick out, what's not right for you. And, and I think that was the biggest thing for me is just like trusting, trusting my intuition. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've also, um, seen people use the development of intuition from what's not right for them to shift into what is right for them. Mm-hmm. Like when, like you start to strengthen the muscle to be like, Oh, like this is what something right for me feels like, you know, but when we've had, situations that we haven't been in control of um in our upbringing for so long it's like you don't even know when something feels right that you've never experienced before like how would you know that that was an experience you could have until you have it right you know what i mean (laughs) yeah (laughs) um i find it fascinating like when people trust themselves to the degree of like making moves quickly 
because I'm such a slow processor. Like I feel like in sessions and when I'm working with other people, I can see things real fast. But when it comes to myself, I feel like I'm always like, let me just integrate this. Let me feel this. Let me understand this. Even though like my intuition knew like six months ago. I feel like I'm kind of the same way, but I've been accelerating it a little bit. Um, I think I have too. Yeah. I think you just kind of get more comfortable with that uncomfortable feeling of like, okay, shit, I got to act on this because it's just hard to marinate on it once you know. Yeah. And like, you're just like, it's just there every day and you're like, yeah, I'm working towards, you kind of tell yourself, yeah, I'm working towards, I'm, I'm, I'm doing the right things. I'm putting things in place, but uh, at a certain point you just kind of got to jump off it. the dock. Yeah. Got to start that argument. I'm just kidding. That's it. <laughs> um, what is the legacy that you want to leave behind? Oh, um, I think for me, uh, just because I, I'm a, I've become a mental health advocate through my own personal struggles. And I think that the legacy I want to leave behind is um, that of vulnerability. And especially for men, that it's okay to not be okay. And it's okay to talk about your feelings because that's something. And it's starting to become a little bit more prominent now. It's starting to become more of a conversation that it's okay for guys to have feelings. But um, even something like talking this conversation we're having right now, talking about love, like that's okay. We don't need to be these macho superheroes that don't feel things right um that's something that i i would like to delve into a little bit more and 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 just talking about emotions and being vulnerable and i want to leave the legacy behind like having those conversations with people and allowing them to do that in their own um circles because that's something uh that i noticed every time i i wrote about my own mental health struggles or spoke about it i would always get a couple messages and for me, I just did it for myself, but if I could help one person, I'm like amazing. But it was always a really nice thing when I would get, Hey, my friend actually read your blog post and he said it helped him. A lot. I had a guy, this is a short story. Um, when I was back in Halifax this summer, my parents, uh, I had completely forgotten that my best friend Pete had sent one of my articles to his friend. He's like, Hey, my buddy's going through a tough time right now. Like, do you have, can you pull up something that you wrote before? I think it'd be really helpful to him. And I was like, yeah, sure. Send him a blog post. Completely forgot about it. So we were out at the bar one night and I forgot this was the very same friend and I go to buy a beer and he, he rushes up and he's like, um, and he, he's like, insists on paying for it. I'm like, Oh, that's really nice. I think he's being a nice guy. He's like, Hey, like, listen, you're like, your blog post helped me a lot. Like that really changed things for me. Like that was a really big shift. Like we can talk about in the morning. Like I don't want to get heavy and emotional at the bar, but like, <laughs> thanks. And I was like, Oh, and that, that was kind of like a profound moment for me to be like, Oh wow. Like I can really, like I made a difference in somebody's life. Cause it's one thing when you get those messages, but to have somebody in person, like, Hey, like you made a difference for me. That was really cool. So, um, if I can enable more moments like that, that, that'd be great. So today I had a client session this morning and it's so funny because it's, um, he's a male and he has a son and a daughter and his son is way more sensitive than his daughter. And, um, his wife has been doing all this research that now is coming out that basically says that men are more delicate than women and that it's only in the upbringing does that kind of get like bred out of them because there's like this um, expectation that they will be tougher whereas like women are just stronger emotionally 
in general. And so like he was talking about how like he actually has to be more conscious with how he relates to his son than how he does with his daughter. And I thought that, that was fascinating. That's very interesting. I could see it though. That makes sense. I don't know. And I started thinking about some of the people that I know that have kids like males and females and like that, like I started seeing a bit of a pattern when he said that I was like, Oh yeah, that kind of is true. Mm -hmm. I mean, I grew up the middle child with two sisters um, and I spent most of my time with my mother. So I definitely think that like, I've always been pretty sensitive, dude, pretty <laughs> emotional. Uh, that was definitely apparent, uh, because I didn't necessarily have like that male energy around. So I think that, that, that environment can definitely affect it for sure. But I can see that guys being more sensitive. We just got to embrace it. Yeah. That's it. Totally. It's a superpower. Totally. Mm -hmm. Vulnerability is something that you and I share in common as something I want to leave behind. I definitely, I definitely think it's the place where we're in our most authentic power. And you know how like people toss around a lot, like vulnerability is strength. It's like, well, but yeah, like actually being vulnerable is strong, mm. you know, like like having the discernment to know the situations where you can completely let down all of your guards and your armor and all of that stuff like that actually takes strength mm -hmm. to do that and you know eventually coming into a place where i think that you can be protected not necessarily by those armors but from your awareness of what's around you is where I would like the world to be headed because that it's the only way we're really going to be able to know the truth is if we're not caging ourselves in with armor, but yet we're still protecting ourselves by just being more aware. How can people stay connected to you? Well, I'm not going to give out my phone number on the show. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not as trusting as Kate. Um, but they can follow me on Instagram. It's MD as in like medical doctor. I'm not a doctor, but I sometimes play one on TV. Just kidding. Uh, MD Van Herk, uh, V-A-N-H-E-R-K. Um, Twitter, if you want random sports takes and gifts of puppies, uh, is at Van Herk. Um, and then you can always add me on Facebook if you want, Marcus Van Herk. There's plenty of ways. Um, and you know what? If there, if we somehow have listeners in Calgary, like hit me up because I'm coming there soon. Yeah, you're moving to Calgary. Talk about change and anxiety. Yeah. Oh, boy. Watch out Cowtown. That's it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. For everything. Thank you so much for listening. Please rate, review, and subscribe. To find more information, follow along on my Instagram at sarah underscore Moncrief or at my website, saramoncrief.com. <laughs>